Welcome to the Close to Home podcast, where we welcome you into meaningful conversation on finding purpose, keeping faith, and navigating life as a military family. Let's dive deep into those hard topics that hit close to home. All right, guys, welcome back to the Close to Home podcast. I'm Chase, here with my beautiful, lovely, elegant, eloquent, both, wife, Marissa. I I don't know why when we get in here and start recording, I just start using words like eloquent and exquisite and immaculate when I don't say that about you. Like, I'll say beautiful and all these other things, and now I just... Vomit a bunch of words. You've never introduced me to anyone the way you do to our podcast. Well, that should change. (laughs) Anyways, guys, um, if you enjoy what you're hearing so far, or preferably if you've listened to our other episodes, please leave us a five-star rating and review the podcast. Tell us what's good about it. Let us know what you you know want to see improved upon or other topics as well. As if you go down the description, we have our social medias down there. So Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. You can let us know what you want to hear. DM us. Tell us how great or how awful we are. Topics for (laughs) podcast episodes y'all want to hear. Prayer requests. All that stuff. Yes, Marissa, you have something to say. Oh, I was just going to say the other day I noticed that we have eight five-star ratings. And I thought that was really cool. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, eight. Wow, I that's mean, a good one, number, too. One might be me because I definitely rated us five stars, but that means seven other people did, too. Well, that actually means six other people oh, did, did because too? I did as well. So yeah. thank you to the, what, six now? Well, six no, people. You, let's, thank you for rating it, Marissa, five stars. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, thank Thank, thank you, Chase, for rating for it rating five stars. Five star. yeah. thank, oh, thank us. Okay, well, that's that's enough time on that. In today's episode, we wanted to talk about the factors to consider when considering Reenlistment when you're considering it. Okay. There's a lot of considering, but <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, this is a topic that is very, very heavy to us because we are currently sort of on the other side of it. Because for me, my reenlistment is all but official, but not official. Like basically, I got approved and it came back to me. And now I set a date for what's called like a reenlistment ceremony. And then after that, it's I, I get some cool dates for some stuff I got going on for training. And then, you know, my career continues on, onward and outward or whatever the saying is. So that just, it's been the culmination of a lot of conversations and a lot of tears and emotions. It's been a long road to get to this point, And there's going to be a lot more where that came from. All I have to say is thank you, Jesus, that we are finally done. Mm-hmm. And it's about to be official because... It has been a long year trying to, I don't know, just figure out what the heck is next for Chase. We've made so many pros and cons lists, like Venn diagrams, just trying to like paint this clear picture of what life will look like if Chase gets out, Chase stays in. And yeah, lots of tears have been shed on my end because I am a massive planner and Chase has changed his mind literally up until last week. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, let's get something clear. If you guys listened to the previous episode where we delve into having plans, backup plans, tertiary plans, et cetera, et cetera, it's not that I was changing my mind, but I did change my mind a lot. But I had a lot of different plans. There was like four plans that kept jumping back and forth. Yes, I had a lot of paths that I could have followed, and every day... I just was, I, I'm like, I'm a very all-in type of person. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not good at dividing my attention equally upon things that deserve like 110% of your attention. So I kept on flip-flopping to doing this, going to do this school and this training and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And every single time I brought it up to Marissa, I thought I was providing more clarity, but I I. I came off indecisive and mm-hmm. that would make her very anxious and and stress her out. So instead of come when I came home and I thought I was this knight in shine armor like I know what we're going to do, I will now and she I would tell her the whole thing and next thing I know it looked like her head was about to explode all over the place because it, it just looks like I provided here's all the options and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and maybe I'll do nothing and then I'll just get out of the military and then be unemployed because I can't make up my mind. I mean it really did get to the point where every single day for a, over a year, it was well oh, yeah. over a year that we were discussing this. Yeah, we did this ahead of time. And then once the the time frame basically came where 
I could now start planning and formalizing these these packages. It, it was madness, total anarchy. Well, it's a big decision. It's a hard decision. You're making a decision that affects you, your family for literally the rest of our lives. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's it all, a pretty heavy decision on your shoulders. Exactly, and it all it, it all was on my shoulders, and it was something that for me, I did some of that quote unquote indecisiveness that Marissa was seeing that wasn't. I, I'm not going to say it was 100% indecisiveness. It was just, again, I had a lot of different ways I could go. And be, I, I couldn't really focus because there was that kind of, oh, if I make the decision this way, I might be unhappy or mm-hmm. this doesn't provide the most for my family or this is – and I just tossed and turned at night thinking about all of the pros and cons for every single path that I had. And it was really difficult for me. Well, now that you've sort of made your decision, and I mean, it is pretty much official, how yeah. do you feel now after taking literally a year just going back and forth, trying to weigh out all the mm-hmm. options, and now you're here, you made the decision, you're obviously at peace with it, you're excited yeah. about it, so I mean, how do you feel? At peace with it, excited. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I've been holding my breath for well over a year at this point, and finally I can breathe out, finally I can, you know, I've been holding my breath in, but I realized I have my Thanksgiving pants on, so I'm not going to burst the buttons, because... I felt like I was just going to split my pants in half. I mean, it, it was one of those things that provided me a lot of anxiety, mm-hmm. a lot of excitement. But the the excitement and all of the positives did turn to nerves and anxiousness because the world that we live in today, especially the past year, two years, it really messed with a lot of the boat spaces or the availabilities for military members. And I was uncertain, regardless of how I looked on paper, regardless of what tier of a Marine I was, I was incredibly anxious for that decision to come back because I, I didn't know. I mean, my entire career thus far, or my brief stint in the military thus far, I was convinced I would make a career of the military. I would re-enlist. But that takes re-enlisting. And if I couldn't re-enlist because whatever factors you want to call it, I was going to be just confused. And and now I have to completely change my life. And that in turn affects you and our family. So right now I'm beyond happy. Yeah, I feel really relieved and at peace as well, because I know that we took the time to really weigh out all the options and I know you made the best decision for our family and mm-hmm. for your career as well. So it gives me a lot of peace but and comfort, but also confidence in our future. Yeah, I really, I knew that regardless of what decision I made, we would be set up. It was kind mm-hmm. of just this scale of and spectrum of how well off would our family be, how much work would I have to put in, what would I have to provide for the family rather than what would my job provide for us? There was a lot of thought in that. And I, I did feel comfort because of because of my training and the schooling and things that I've been through in the military that I could get a very, very secure job regardless. But that didn't stop me from kind of having these questions and having this kind of anxiety about it because it's a big deal. It's a big deal for not just your family, but as an individual, as a Marine, a soldier, corpsman, uh, just whoever, it's a big deal, especially if you came in young and your identity was the military or you thought the your, your career was going to be the mm-hmm. military when you haven't even given it a thought. And that's a big thing that you need to do is you need to think about the other side just in case it comes down to, to it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't thought about that, the moment that all of that stuff hits you, it hits you freaking hard. Because if you haven't thought about it, now all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, there's there's going to be a time where I have to look for a job, health insurance, a house, this and that and the third, and you've never dealt with it before. It's a whirlwind. So you have to be prepared at all times for for anything that happens. For It doesn't matter what it is or if it goes your way or if it goes south. You have to be prepared for that kind of stuff. It all can be really overwhelming, and if any of you guys are in this season of life where you are trying to plan for what's next, our hearts are with you because it was really hard for us. It was overwhelming. We had a lot of tough discussions, a lot of hard conversations, you know, deep late-night talks. A lot of tears were shed on my end, like I said before, but I really hope that you can find value in this podcast Mm -hmm. because we are going to break down all of the factors that 
we sat down to consider and discuss as a family. And so I hope that this um, makes it a little bit easier of a decision to navigate for you. And I hope that we kind of bring up topics for you to come together with your spouse and discuss as a family unit because even though this is more on the service member's career, it does affect you as as a family, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're 100% right. Well, do you want to just get right into it? Yeah, let's go ahead and just jump right in. Okay. Well, the first thing that you have to consider, and this, in my opinion, is the most important. That might be why it's number one because subconsciously we knew this. It's the foundation and the basis for that conversation that you should have on reenlistment. And if you answer this question negatively or with a no, you really can't have any other conversation or nuance. This is numero uno, right? So when it comes to the first factor, it's the overall nature of the military. Is your family prepared and accepting to continue to what we call embrace the suck, Mm -hmm. right? So the military is, it provides a lot, but with the tempo, with how adaptive you have to be as an individual and as a family, it can be very unforgiving. Because if you can't adapt emotionally, mentally, um, physically, Mm. whether that's location-wise or your own physical health, you're going to get left behind, right? So you need to be able to answer that question because if you continue with your military career, it means that you're okay with that and a plethora of other things, whether that's deployments, time spent in the field. And what does all that add up to? Time away from your family, right? You're going to miss maybe birthdays or baby's first steps. A lot of separation. There's a lot of separation. And can can your family really handle years, three to five, six more years of that? Can your family handle that separation? Is your significant other okay with being alone at times? Is she comfortable and confident in kind of leading the house while you're gone? Can you leave it in a way that allows your spouse and helps her moving forward while you're away? If you are a spouse, you really need to take the time to kind of self-reflect and be honest with yourself and your service member. Um, If you have had a really tough time navigating the military lifestyle, maybe it's just been really isolating and overwhelming for you, then now is the time to to say that, to voice those feelings Mm -hmm. because... Once your service member re-enlists, and I mean, that's it. You're, you're stuck in this thing for another few years. So now is the time to have those open and honest conversations. And maybe you've done well these last few years, and maybe you have been fine, but it's the continuation that seems daunting mm-hmm. and overwhelming. Then again, you really need to voice those feelings because once it's done, it's done. And service members, turn, turn me up right now. Turn the mic up. Turn the mic up. I need to talk to you individually. When your spouse comes to you with these concerns – if you are speaking to them about reenlistment and and the the things that you're providing them does not comfort them and you might be dead set on reenlisting maybe that's what you've wanted your whole life and she or he is not budging on it if they're uncomfortable if they know if you can find an exit strategy out of the military you might need to consider that you need to be open and honest with your spouse because if my spouse comes to me and say and I ask this repeatedly and like ad nauseum and Marissa got sick of it, but I kept asking all the time, hey, are you good with this? Are you okay with this? Now, don't be annoying like I was and ask all the time. I did it repeatedly throughout the day, but that's something that's so important. And don't be just, if your spouse is not giving you an inch, don't take a mile Mm. because this is a long-term commitment, but you're committed to your family. You're committed to your wife, your husband, okay? So Listen, that is needs to be above everything else, in my opinion. Now, if you can get over it, you can get over it. But otherwise, you know what to do. You know, even though I did kind of find it irritating how often you checked in on me and made sure that like I can handle this thing, that I'm, you know, I'm ready for you to re-enlist and what that means. I did appreciate that though. I did appreciate that you acknowledged how many unique challenges and obstacles come with being a military yeah. spouse and just how that what that looks for our family. I did appreciate that. I felt I felt seen and understood, and um, I don't know. It felt good to be acknowledged in that sense. Well, because you're chained to this as much as I am, right? Mm-hmm. This is a decision when we say it's not just about your career as the service member, but it's your family. You go where I go. Yeah, you, and I have to plan everything around you, yeah. You deal with the separation that I deal with, but to a more extreme level, some may say. I mean, that's just the nature of of this lifestyle. And if that's not your cup of tea, you have to be vocal and you have to be honest about Mm -hmm. it because 
It could be several things. If you're not strong in your relationship, if the military is not right for you, if there's problems at home, it can expose other underlying issues and then you need to solve those issues. And it's one of those things that it really does deserve a, a, a look under a microscope and honesty from you and your partner. You know, you just briefly mentioned something that I don't think I would have thought to bring up, but maybe individually you guys are good. You can handle the military lifestyle, mm. but maybe your marriage isn't. Yeah. No, it's completely, completely possible. As individuals, you might – it's just like we <laughs> – I keep referring to other episodes. If, if they didn't hear it, you should go listen to it. Um, I referred to in an, a, a different episode that maybe individually as people, your character, your personalities – like you might be, you might be a very happy person. Mm-hmm. I might be a bit more mellow, but together we can be a joyous, uh, you know, loving, patient, whatever. We can have our own identity. It's the same thing with your marriage in the military. If it's not, if it's not stable with this lifestyle, then to cherish your spouse and your relationship, your covenant, you have to kind of move the mm-hmm. the the steer the rudders. Yeah, yeah, that's what you have to do. I think it just goes back to being honest. You have to mm-hmm. be honest yes. about, you know, what what you can handle individually, but what your marriage can handle. So like the both of us for one, we're very independent. We can do perfectly fine on our own. Yes. So whenever you're away, I usually do pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm good, but when it comes to marriage, maybe for example, communication is off. Maybe we are just terrible at communicating when we're apart. And we're not, but I'm just trying to think of like things to consider when it comes to marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So, you know, again, individually, we're good. We're very independent. So I feel like that's not really a factor. But when it comes to like our marriage and like how strong we are as a unit, I know communication is a really big one in mm-hmm. military marriages and yeah. relationships in general. So I would think about communication. I don't know. What's another one? Intimacy, maybe. If your yep. intimacy is kind of rocky or weak, like that's a weak point for you. Um, mm-hmm. I would definitely consider those things. Yeah. And oh, and trust. Trust is a big one as well. And I think when we're talking about kind of analyzing oneself and their relationship, you can't get away from as the military, comp- well, yeah, as a military spouse, and I guess the family to a lesser degree, there is this level of assimilation and conformity when it comes to military, meaning that as the service member, there is this immediate and instant obedience to orders. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, what all that means. If you didn't think about prior to boot camp, what the military stands for, what are the rec- prereqs to get into the military, the morality of it all, your own character, what you believe, if you didn't think about all that stuff before you joined, you might want to take another look at it when you come up on your reenlistment because if there's things that just don't jive with your character, your morals, your personality, and there's things you can't compromise on, then that might be something. I don't know. It's not me, mm-hmm. but it might be something that's willing uh, that that would be willing to take another look and and see. Oh, do I want to reenlist because I don't necessarily agree with the way that the military's you know angling this or the way that they deal with this, and right. that's totally possible. So that's a part of that honesty. You you have to really take a, a look in in the mirror and see. Okay, am I good with this? Is my family good with this? You know, Chase, I'm actually curious. Now that you've been in for about five years, you mm-hmm. know what the nature of the military looks like, what's expected of you. Do you think the decision to re-enlist was easier or harder than your initial decision to like sign a contract and enlist the very first time? Because, you know, service members, I think on average, people probably enlist right outside of high school, 18, yeah. 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe it's not as an in-depth decision as it might be now. So would you say re-enlisting is easier or harder? That's an excellent question. Um, re-enlisting is way more difficult to me, in my opinion. And really it points to the point you just made before you got to that question is typically we are enlisting right out of high school. And normally you're not really established as a man or a woman mm. in your morals, in your character. You, you're not 100% who you are. And you might join the military just to kill, 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 just to help people, just to take advantage of college or whatever the excuse might be, you aren't thinking about all of the nuances. You don't know about the orders that you have to follow, the certain requirements to stay in or to get in. You're not aware of the daily grind and right. the the not nine to five, but it might be zero five thirty to freaking twenty hundred. And you're not aware of all of the quote unquote dumb stuff in between because you don't get that lens as a civilian. 
and when you've gone through it for at least four years, you know, okay, this is how formations work. This is what happens if somebody's NJP, somebody gets an award, somebody re-enlists. This is what happens. This is what I do. This is this, that, and the friggin' third. I mean, you now have a perspective on the military. So re-enlisting might be more difficult or it might be easier. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of depends. Or maybe not easier, maybe about the same. Because oh, it depends maybe depends a lot on your experience. Yeah. Too. And and there's a lot of other there's a lot of other things yeah. that can play a part of it. Like if you went into the military or in the military, you might have accumulated some debt or some other things and the reenlistment bonus might help you out or set you up and you're like, okay, I'll just do the next four, five, six right. and then get out. Cool. It it really depends. But I would say on average, it is more difficult to re-enlist. Because I, I think those who are going to get out already know they're going to get out for the most part. It's usually an incentivized decision if they stay in. So to me, it's either the same amount of difficulty, so pretty easy to re-enlist or to not re-enlist, or it's more difficult. That's what I would say. I guess there's just more involved in the decision to re-enlist. I mean, for most you know, young 18, 19-year-olds, it's more of like an impulse decision out yes. of like excitement, patriotism. My dad was a Marine. My yeah. grandpa was in the Army kind of thing. Yeah. So there's a lot more involved when you're making the decision to continue on. Yeah, it's your life. It's not just legacy or to kill somebody at that point. It might be whatever uh, the military provides or, or you now have to provide for when you get out. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And speaking of if and when you get out, one thing that you're going to need is a job. And that's something that you definitely have to, in this sit-down discussion with your spouse, talk about. Do the research, whether it's through TRS or other transitional programs and things that the military provides or things that certain certain contractors provide. You have to take a, an honest look at your abilities within your job in the military and then see how that translates to the outside world. As a civilian, be honest with yourself. Would you have already gotten fired within the first couple months? Mm. Would somebody let you go because of your incompetence or because of your attitude, right? I, point blank. Mm. You have to be real with yourself. Is the job different? I mean, did you even do the job you signed up for in the military? Because maybe your MOS is avian, uh, aviation mechanic, but you went to a unit where they didn't have that and you were a barracks manager. How does that translate? But on your your resume, it's probably going to say aviation mechanic. I, so you have to think about how that job looks like outside the military, what benefits it provides, all these other things, and you have to bring that to the table to your spouse. Don't be the one who right when they're about to get out or their EAS comes, now you're looking and you're scrambling. Come prepared and then come to your spouse and say, hey, honey, I've been thinking about reenlisting. Here's what this looks like for mm-hmm. our lives if I chose to get out. Bring the resources and don't make your spouse go through the headache of listening to you not know what the heck you're talking about. Speaking from experience. What do you mean? I knew what I was talking about. I don't know. Sometimes I felt like you were just like word vomiting at me or like throwing these crazy options. So, and I was uh, like, so what does that entail, okay. Chase? You're like, well, I'll get back I, to listen, you. Listen, <laughs> no. Well, yes, but no, but yes. So my situation was... There was so many things that I could have done. And I'm not saying this arrogantly. There, there was just, if everything yeah, went right, really I, had, I had quite a few things I could have done. And I brought them to Marissa every single day, every hour of every day, <laughs> as if they were all not equal opportunities, but I kept bringing them up and it came off as indecisive. That's really what the mm-hmm. problem was, is I didn't, I, I have a difficult time sometimes splitting my energy and my focus on different paths that each require 110% effort. So I think it was sweet though, because you wanted me to be involved in every single choice. So I feel like you were just like, once an idea popped in, it was like, what does Marissa think about this? How does this affect Marissa? Yeah, well, I mean, just like we had pretty much opened the episode with, it's not just my career, it's our family. You are now attached to every decision in the military that I make. If I screw up and that has, it's gonna have a ripple effect, a downstream consequence or, or whatever, to our family. Something to consider going back to the job factor is how does the nature of the job in or outside of the military affect your family life? So mm-hmm. you might have the same job in or you might have the same job outside of the military that you do now in the military, but do the responsibilities change? Do the mm-hmm. roles change? What are the expectations like? The work hours? I know that was something that we talked about 
thoroughly quite yep. often. Yeah, and the example I always point to because it just cracks me up is I have buddies who are in the infantry, they're grunts, 03s, and they tell me how, man, I'm getting out because the Marine Corps really screwed me, this and that, which that part isn't really important, but they'll get to, they'll they'll be like, yeah, I want to I wanna grow a beard and grow out my hair. And man, I hate listening to my chain of command. My CO sucks. My Sergeant Major sucks. I don't know I what they're the talking about. Yeah. yeah, I don't like the command. I don't like the structure. Cool, man. What are you going to do when you get out? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be a highway patrolman. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be a police officer. Okay, so where you still have rank and regulations and you get where you kind of see where I'm going with this. So you please understand what the jobs on the outside entail because I get it. Some dudes are just in the mindset of, okay, if it's bad and the military's doing it, I just, I, now there's a stigma. There's this mm-hmm. rotten stench with the Marine Corps, with the military, where, man, they quote unquote screwed me over. I don't want to deal with it. But if somebody else screws me over, that's just dandy because it's not the military. Those guys, you can't help. Try and take an honest look. And if, if that's the case and it's just the Marine Corps, just the military, say that to your spouse. Be like, hey, listen, I get it. I'm going to be doing the same thing. And your spouse is like, oh, you're going to have more time with me? Nope. Are you getting paid any better? Not really because we still have to pay for health care. Why the hell are you getting out then? I just don't enjoy it anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. or or it doesn't fit fit me. You know, we'll talk about this further on. But it, it it's just a part of that honesty piece. Just be honest about it. It's it's gonna happen, and you're gonna have to answer to it. So you might as well do it earlier on, well well before your EAS. Like I'm talking 18 months, mm-hmm. if not immediately. Once you get a taste of the fleet, you should know. Okay, it's been a deployment, it's been a couple of years, where do I want to go with this? And you should be having conversations throughout and then taking notes or whatever you, I don't know, whatever you guys see fit to do. You should kind of have a record of it at least. So we are avid note takers in this family. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We are, I, I need like a notebook for sergeant seminar or for some course and I open it up and it's like, oh, ideas for videos. And it's like 2019 is the date on it. I'm like, what in the Sam hell? Like, what is this? Dream jobs, grocery list. Dream jobs, yeah. <laughs> Talking about like Marsock and all this other stuff. I'm like, what the heck? I just re-enlisted for some, what the heck is going on right now? And yeah, there's- Every backup plan ever, yeah. <sighs> we have a lot of backup plans, but I, let's let's get to, so I think we covered jobs, right? I think we kind of covered yeah. the nature of- But now of finances. Finance, so yeah, jobs, it rolls right into finance. This is probably- I mean, all this stuff you're probably going to have at the table when you have that conversation, but finance is kind of a direct result of obviously having a job. So again, like I was saying, does the pay better, including benefits, not including benefits? Is it stable income? Are you a contractor? How long is that contract? How long do they typically stay on afterwards or take on another contract? Are you literally just going to go back to work for the government? I mean, do you have a budget now? Is your budget going to change? Do you have debt now? Is that going to change? How is it going to change? Are you budgeting for that? All these things you have to be asking yourself when you're looking at changing jobs. That's in general, but I'm also in the military and have not had to really deal with a real <laughs> job in quite some time since I was a teenager, and that doesn't even count. So, yeah, th- those are just things that you have to consider and be honest. Again, mm-hmm. take be smart. Don't look at a job that's like, wow, it's paying 70000 $75,000 a year, I'm a sergeant and I make less than 30 grand. Like you see the payment, but like, okay, you live in a house. Yeah, cool. you have to break up. Medical, the whole, yeah. cool. And I hate when people do that, when they're like, well, you're actually getting paid this much. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not. Because the medical, like I have my other kind of mm-hmm. things with, with all these other things were provided, whether I agree with them, whether I don't, I have my own opinion, but you do have to look at that. You do have to look at the cost for those things, regardless of whether you enjoy living on base or whether you think you're getting paid enough for housing or medical benefits. Regardless of your own opinions about them, you have to look into how much that costs and how much that eats up your pay because then is it really even worth it? Also, you need to look at your spending habits because you might be able to earn more money, but if you're not good with your money, then... Yeah, you might spend $100 at Chick-fil-A in a weekend. Yeah. Remember that? When we first moved to California, the first – so side note or side story you for a second. You always say this, Juan. You always say this, but I do not ever remember spending that much money. It was $75. Chick-fil-A. 
It was seventy five dollars oh, in two that, days. Is that the weekend where we went for like breakfast? Yep. Yeah, and all. The- <laughs> okay, clarification. Well, I had never had Chick Fil A. We we had never had Chick Fil A before. We did not have one anywhere near us in the play in Arizona or where we even grew up when we were kids. So we just went bananas for two days, and that's how you <laughs> are not responsible with your finances. But anyways, anyways, back to the podcast and not our gluttony back in the day. Uh, so, we just really out ourselves in this podcast. Oh, we do. That's what happens when we say, when well, we're going to have an honest and open conversation about things that hit close to home, and then we talk about just, we just skyline ourselves. It's fine. Totally fine. Keeping it real and raw. Keeping it real and raw. All right. Well, I think we hit on finances and the job thing just fine. Let's, you know what? I want, how about you hit this next point a little bit? For location, you want to, because I feel like, I feel like you kind of get the, the crap end of the stick when it comes to location <laughs> as, as a, as a family member of a military uh, member. So just lead, go ahead, take off. So it's kind of funny because location is probably one of the more simple factors that we suggest you considering as a family, but it's one of the ones that stresses me out the most. And when we say to consider location, we mean a couple of different things. One being that re-enlisting in the military or, you know, being a military family means that there is a kind of overlooming threat of frequent moves, mm-hmm. constantly being uprooted and having to build a new community in a new location kind of restarting over and over and over again throughout the years. And this was a big one for me because I'm someone who, I'm a planner. We say this in every episode and all over our YouTube channel videos and stuff. But I try to plan ahead as far as I possibly can. You know, I want to own businesses and I'm trying to finish my degree and do all these things. And it's hard when you're constantly being uprooted and having to start over. So this is a big one for me, but also in the sense of settling down. Um, We had a lot of conversations about um, whether or not we are okay with frequent moves again. If we like, you know, kind of living in different locations and never really being rooted anywhere for a long period of time. We kind of do like the adventure aspect of that. But also we had to kind of ask ourselves, um, are we ready to settle down somewhere? Are we ready to just permanently plant roots in a location? Um, Do we want to move back home? Is there anywhere like where our our hearts are kind of feeling pulled to. So you definitely have to have these conversations with your spouse. Are you okay with moving with the military? Um, are you okay with what that means of having to like restart and build build a new community somewhere new? Or are you ready for more permanency? Yeah. Yes. And that, just like I feel every topic that we've discussed and will discuss, it requires a lot of attention uh, there is nuance to it, regardless of how simple it might seem on its face, because just like you said, you really have to determine if you want to mm-hmm. move with the military or continue to move all of f- frequently, because I, I think regardless of what you think, if you re-enlist, you're at least moving one more time, yeah. minimum, maybe two, maybe three. You never know. And that that constant theme or you know threat, as you put it, of, of moving is always going to be there because it's the needs of the military. It's not the needs of the family. I mean, just to add some perspective or a little bit of a context, and we won't get into like too nitty gritty detail, but within the next two years, we can expect what, like one to two moves? Easily. So like, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. That's a big thing for me that I have to really be honest with myself about. Am I okay with that? And am I able to stay true to myself, my plans, my goals while supporting you and, you know, helping you move our entire our entire lives wherever that might lead us. Well, and that's another thing as well. You you should weigh what your family can handle. Mm-hmm. If frequently moving stresses out your spouse to the point where it is causing marital issues, then this life is not for you. Or a job that has a similar turnover rate with your location is is not for you. Especially if you have kids cuz it's mm-hmm. easier I mean, it's easy for me to kind of follow you wherever, but if you add kids into the picture, then you do need um, a greater sense of stability. And you should have that conversation of exactly when you want to settle down. Not that Mm -hmm. you should know. You don't have to know off the bat, but if you can give a rough estimate like, oh, am I 40? Yeah, just a general idea. Cool. The military could be for you because you could be retired by then. But if you say 
my late 20s, I want to already have my house I'm going to live in for the rest of my life or not have it because you can do that in the military, but you say, oh, by 28, I want to be living in and have my family moved into the house I'm living in for the rest of our lives. Cool, bro. Like you're not going to do that in the military, 100%. There are ways to get around pretty much anything in the military. If you decide to make it a career, you can make it work. I've known people who have had a house on the West Coast and lived on, there's all sorts of stuff. There's ways to do it, yeah. All sorts of stuff, but it's just another piece of that conversation you need to have with your spouse where you're honest with if you want to settle down, when you want to settle down, and how do you want to do it. And a a big thing I want y'all to take away from the location piece is, again, if your spouse can't handle it, and not not in a negative way as if they're somehow mentally frail, Mm -hmm. but it's stressful. Moving all that, all that, uh, time is stressful. It's a lot, right? Even if the military is doing it for you or if they're not doing it for you, you got to figure that out for one. And then there's all sorts of paperwork and things that you have to you have to do and you're responsible for. It's not everybody's cup of tea. And if you are bringing home more complexity and more conflicts to your marriage, for your marriage to address, and your marriage is not doing very well at navigating those challenges, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily an uh, necessarily an indictment on your marriage. It just is another thing that's pointing you into something else. It, you should be following another path. That's not God's plan for you, and that's perfectly fine. Don't feel, don't feel inferior. Don't feel bad if you or your spouse or you together is not really suited for something and you can't get there. That's fine. That is perfectly acceptable. Okay. There's no, there's no shame in that. The military is not for everybody. That's the reason why we're the point something percent of people in the entire state or state state (laughs) country yeah country country but (laughs) on the on the topic of the family that's that's the the next thing that you really have to take in consideration uh you know with the location and everything else we talk about is family planning like do you want to have kids if you don't already have them how is this affected by staying in or getting out? If you stay in, are you waiting to have kids? Can your spouse physically wait to have kids? Yeah, it brings us back to that first factor of the nature of the military yeah. and how that affects your family life. Exactly. And then you have to think, okay, if I want 13 kids and I'm a Lance Corporal, <laughs> can I really be waiting on the military to provide a stable income, wouldn't my job outside the military provide something much better, if not identical circumstances for my 13 kids? I mean, you have if you really do want a big family, if you really, I don't know, if you want, if you want your family to be well off or whatever, you it's personally have yeah. your goals is your business. And I'm not going to judge you for them. I'm not here to do that. If you can't reach those heights for your family with the military, then what are you doing? Even well, questioning. Even just bringing it back to missing birthdays, missing holidays, missing yeah, good first point. steps, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah, you don't have to be okay with missing that stuff. If you're not okay with it, don't do it. I mean, yeah. simple as that. That might be the deal breaker for you. You sit down and you talk it out. All right, I got through all this because I listened to Close to Home Podcast. Now I'm on number six, family planning. Ooh, doesn't really jive with me, man. And for the spouses, are you capable or able to parent alone? That is, that's a good one too. Not not only are you able and capable on your own, do you have a support system because you will be moving frequently? Do you happen to have somebody nearby who can support you? Do you have a church? There's, see, now we we have more intricacies and nuance with this conversation, just like all the other things. Like, this is what we were saying. There's a lot of attention that, I mean, we've, we've been talking for more than 40 minutes at this point, and I promise you that is a drop in the ocean of how much we've talked about this, about our own lives. I'm telling you right now, start the conversation now, now, now. If you haven't already, stop, well, finish listening, rate the podcast, <laughs> and then <laughs> start the conversation, okay? Because it needs to be had. Trust me, guys. You're not going to regret having this too early. There's no such thing as too early with this conversation. You could be literally in basic training or boot camp and 
or on your way to MEPS. Don't overwhelm yourself though early, too early Of on, course, don't overwhelm. My point being is just- Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself, be confident, be comfortable in these moments to speak with your spouse because it builds intimacy with your spouse too. It, oh, it yeah. proves even through the conversation that you guys have been hearing today. I mean, Marissa even said that she appreciated when I came to her with this information. And that is how your, your relationship grows. At you're including your spouse in your world and showing them that it's our world, not just my world. So it's incredibly powerful to use as kind of like a little starter in your relationship. Do you feel that it benefited you at all with me being so involved in the decision? Like, did you feel more supported or more confident in me? Like, how did that affect you? I felt a lot of support because I think that I was, I was very much in the driver's seat of this decision, but knowing that I was communicating with you and you were you were entrusting in me to make the decision mm-hmm. and we had those conversations i think it was just the support and the the kind of balance that i needed going forward to make the right decision so yeah i felt very supported and i think it was incredibly beneficial for us all right so moving on to the next point control and structure this kind of goes back to the conforming and assimilation argument that I was making at the very beginning. As the military spouse, I guess as the family too, do you like the structure the military provides? Do you crave more control over your life and decisions? Those are kind of opposing questions, right? If you like the structure of the military, you like the rank, the uniform, the uniformity, all of these other aspects of the military, do you want more of that? Or are you like, heck no, I want to be able to say, you know, flip the bird to this and that and do whatever I want to do. Say no to these certain things that I have to abide by in the military and I want my freedom back. And just like everything else, you have to take a look at the situation you're in currently. And then also when you get out, because if you're like, oh, I want to get out of the military because I want to smoke weed in my room and just hang out sometime during the day, cool, man, your prerogative. But if you want to get a government job, you're still not going to be doing that. So don't base your decisions on comfort, cushy things that you may still be restricted to in the, that was just the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Because I've just heard, I've literally, I was like, what in the world? (laughs) Well, because you'd be surprised. I don't listen, I'm not outing anybody specifically, but you would be surprised at how many, how many people I've spoken to. Let's leave it at that sense people I've spoken to who have told me, man, the first thing I'm doing when I get out of military is I'm going to roll a blunt and smoke it on the way out the gate. And I'm like, okay, if that's where your Good for you. allegiances lie, man, cool. And then their next thing you know, maybe they want to try and get a job with the DOD or the government as a whole or whatever agency that doesn't allow them to do that. So basically what I'm saying is don't, if you want control of your life and decisions, totally fine. But don't allow certain ones to kind of color your your I, if if it matters to you that much cool but if it's a trivial thing mm-hmm. i wouldn't really put too much stock in that that's my well i think thing. it just comes down to some people thrive with structure like i think you are one of those people mm-hmm. and some people just absolutely do not this is true yeah some people just don't operate very well in almost like a confining space mm-hmm. where you're put into this mold and told okay you have to be like this in certain ways, but you're also free to be your own person, right. question mark. Not a lot of people are good with dealing with that. And some people are more, you know, rebellious and do the things. And what? Why are you about to laugh now? <laughs> I just keep laughing. The I'm weed just, thing? Yes. I just, you listen, just it's it just. Like out of nowhere. It kind of like shocked me a little. No, I, I mean, it's true. Okay. It's just the most, the biggest thing that like the DOD and government workers or agencies still do not allow when like everybody in the in the country no, I know it's a hot topic. It. Yeah, yeah it's it's just a polarizing thing okay can we move on can yeah. we be adults here yeah okay anyways yes like my wife said so grown uply some people just don't do well under under that kind of r- rigor and structure and that's again again that's totally fine okay if you can't adapt to that stuff just don't I've I've been a firm believer when it comes to the military, there is a part of you that has to assimilate. There just is. It's just, it's the same thing. Like if if you move to another country, like you have to kind of take parts of the culture. You have Mm -hmm. to become, 
an avid citizen and whatever, you know, there's, there's things that you have to do, but anyways, I'll get off my little soapbox and I guess we'll just keep laughing about weed. Um, (laughs) okay. The next factor is spouse's plans or career. How's that affected by the military? I don't, do you want me to speak? I mean, from my perspective, at least I, I did actually think about that quite a lot. Actually, it kind of stressed me out personally. Mm -hmm. Some people don't care, but I mean, if you're a loving spouse, you should kind of have that question of, okay, well, how, if I stay in, is my wife going to have to resubmit her, I don't know what, recertify whatever her business or whatever the case might be. If she runs a business, is she going to have to refile? Is she going to have to restart school because the timelines don't match up? Is she going to have to do something crazy because you're moving overseas? Mm. That should be a factor. I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to tell you and your partner on how much of a factor it should be, but just for anecdotal purposes, for me, it gave me a lot of anxiety. And until I came to Marissa and I said, hey, are you good with this? What are your feelings on this? I, even right now, I'm sighing pretty deeply because it, it did provide me a lot, of, a lot of questions and I had a lot of grief and stress because you, you're gonna have to make sacrifices together and individually and it just has to be worth it in the end. And I never wanted... I never wanted Marissa to sacrifice more and get less out of this whole deal. So that was why for me personally, it was kind of difficult. But I, I guess what are you, what what were you looking at whenever I was like, hey, I want to re-enlist? Did your mind just speed up and like, oh gosh, now I got to do this and that and this and that? Or Yes, because I feel like, well, we've actually kind of had a unique experience like with your job and like where the military has sent us because um, we've moved, we've lived in like what, two different states within like three years of marriage. So I've had to restart frequently, like more than the average person would. Typically people move like, what, once every three years? Give give or take. Give or take, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is that the military lifestyle provides, or it provides, it brings about about very unique challenges and obstacles for everyone involved, the service Mm -hmm. member, the family unit, the military spouse. So it's no secret that as a military wife or a military spouse, you will have to work a little bit harder to overcome those challenges and obstacles. But something I am so passionate about and I will preach over and over and over is that it's not impossible to be a military spouse and support your spouse's career in the military and their personal goals and their dreams while still reaching your your own goals and your own dreams. Actually, in a recent um, advice video I did on our YouTube channel, I kind of talked about the mindset that I have. And it's basically that, yes, I have to work a little bit harder for the goals that I want to achieve. But when I reach them, when that goal is finally mine, it just means that I'm all the more deserving of it because of how much hard work I had to put into it. And I know that Not everyone is very like goal oriented or just a go getter, but I just want to encourage you and kind of empower you and just kind of bring a little bit more like light to this topic because it can be really overwhelming if you feel like you are constantly having to restart, always starting over, always like doing the workaround to reach your own goals. It is hard and it's tiring sometimes, but it's not impossible. And so I do always appreciate that Chase thinks of me, but maybe if you feel like you're just being forgotten or like your goals, your plans, your identity even is being put on the back burner or coming second to your spouses, bring that up. Have those conversations because your goals are important too. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you mentioned goals repeatedly because you remember what the next topic is? Oh, Mm -hmm. goals. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) segues. I love them. So goals. Is reenlistment conducive to your personal career goals? Would getting out help you reach your goals faster? What about your goals as a family? Those are, again, very segmented questions on face value, but they do bleed into each other. So from my perspective, is reenlistment going to allow me to achieve my goals as a man, as a husband, as somebody in the military, depending on where my mind kind of is right now with the military? And then separately, and at the same time all at once, would me getting out push me closer to my goals as a family man, a man of God, a husband, this, that. Is the military kind of holding me back or is Mm -hmm. it aiding me, providing me enough or more than enough for me to achieve my goals? And then the same thing for 
Marissa and I, as a family unit, Mm -hmm. is the military conducive to our goals. Let's say if our goal was by 28 to have a house of our own. Is the military going to provide me that? Is it going to be a little bit weird? Am I going to have to figure some things out? Where, Where do my goals line up and where does the military play a role in said goals? It's very important that you identify individually what your goals are and then what are your goals as a family and see if the military aids or if it holds back mm-hmm. and kind of on a on a scale of what how much does that really matter and what goals are more important you kind of get the idea i don't want to beat a dead horse but that's that's kind of what you have to think about some honestly there's probably a whole episode we could do on on goals and how the military affects it so those are just some of the things to consider when when thinking about your goals and talking with your spouse about them them goals. So, yeah. <laughs> How many times do you think we've said goals in the last few minutes? So counting what I just said and the goals you just said and then the that I just said, <laughs> probably 20. Because I think you ended at about seven to nine and then I just added some <laughs> and you added one, I added one. So do the math at home, people, and let us know in the comments in our review or social media because that's less embarrassing. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't really think there's too much more we have to say on goals. I think we kind of talked a bit in the plans and careers and throughout this episode. So I think we kind of hit on that, uh, well enough. And, uh, the, the last one, before we get to the bottom line, I sigh cause this one has everything to do basically with the military member for the most part. Well, I guess it, we'll get into it. Uh, the camaraderie, the military service, the pride, the oohs, the yuts, the kills, the get sums. Are you are you good with hanging up the uniform? Can you go without going to another military ball? Can you go without salutes? Can you go without the formations, the combat deployments, whatever your experience was? Can you go without that stuff? Are you ready to call it a day and move on with your life? And the sense that you're going to now start writing a whole new book of Mr. Instead of sergeant, instead of staff, officer, whoever, it, it's something that you really got to think about. And this was kind of a big one for me too, because the military provides you a family if you've never had one. It provides you a, a fellowship, a brotherhood, sisterhood, all that kind of stuff. If you've had a rocky one, if you've never had one, it gives you that. It provides you so much opportunity. And there's just something different about putting on a uniform. Whether you're in the military or you're just a blue-collared like police officer, firefighter, to ask somebody in those specific occupational fields to hang it up for the last time, it's different. It's different when you're in some form of civil service or public service, whatever you want to classify it as. It's, um, it's a very heavy um, discussion or topic, rather, depending on your own experience. And sometimes it's easy. It's an easy answer because you don't like what the military represents or you, I don't know, there's things that you wish you could change, but you have no power to change. Maybe it's easy for you, but for some, it's very, very difficult. And it it can definitely be one of those things that makes or breaks your decision for sure. And I, I guess on the opposite side of that coin is your family and, and is our wives get all excited about, and I'm only speaking about this because I have a wife, okay? Obviously, I'm not a female service member. So I can't really speak to how husbands feel in this situation. But I know wives get all excited about, like, the Marine Corps ball and seeing their husband in, like, blues, specifically speaking in my perspective. Some of them love they, – they dislike the deployment blues, but they love the coming homes. Like, there's things that that military families are accustomed to and they really enjoy or – Maybe if they don't enjoy it, they'll reminisce about those times and it might be too soon. And that's a very common theme as well is, is you have to be ready and feel like you accomplished what you wanted to coming in or at least you're okay with what you didn't accomplish and you're just ready to hang it up. That's, yeah, that, that's just kind of a decision that you have to come to pretty much solely personally but it's also something that affects your family just like anything else. But this is probably the one thing that's more independently driven than anything else we've talked about. In fact, it might be, yeah, this is probably the most independent 
of all of what we're talking about because it it just it's different. I, again, if if you're listening to this and you are a military member, or if you're a spouse of somebody in the military, somebody who's been in the military, ask them about the uniform. Ask them about their servitude to their country, what it meant to fight in Vietnam or Afghanistan, what all that stuff meant to them and what it signified and what it means to them now seeing other freedoms that we have and that we enjoy or freedoms that people squander. Just ask them, see how they feel about it. It's That's the kind of feelings that this elicits. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's that was a little bit more in the weeds than I kind of expected it to be, but it, it's a very emotional reaction, to be honest. It's one of those things that did provide me a lot of um, regret or grief, I guess, thinking about if I couldn't stay in. it. I hadn't really accomplished everything I wanted to, or I don't know, I enjoy the limited service that I provide my country. I mean, that, that kind of stuff does mean something to me. And, you know, I've outlined before through conversation with my friends and family, through podcasts that I do believe that my life was meant to be a uh, kind of conduit for servitude. And this was just one of the ways of fulfilling that. So it, it made me question a lot for sure. And that I know that's a lot of people who are contemplating reenlisting. And some people are like, dude, I don't give a crap about that moto rah, rah, yuck, kill stuff. Like who cares? Cool, man. Like, it might not be, and but that was the one thing I got from man. I I think your dad said it. Some other people who I knew who had retired, uh, like a, a master sergeant who's I, I knew personally, and he had been in for 23, 24, 25, you know, mm -hmm. odd years. And I asked him like, "How do you know when to hang it up?" And he said, "When you put on that uniform and you just feel kind of nothing anymore." Mm -hmm. That I mean, I I take that to heart. I do. So whatever. Okay, I might be a cheese ball. All right. That's fine. But the bottom line is, <laughs> after all that, are you mentally prepared to get out? Seriously. If, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're on the fence of reenlisting, but you're leaning towards getting out or you're leaning towards staying in, do you, are you prepared for that? Do you really think like spiritually, physically, and mentally you're prepared for that, especially if you're about to transition out of the military, because if you if you haven't even done the proper research and preparation, you haven't gone through transition uh, readiness seminar or whatever else the military provides you, your unit provides you. I, I mean, you got to think about that stuff. Do you mm -hmm. even have an opportunity outside? If you're like an O three eleven, if you're infantry side of the house, I, I mean, do you know what you want to do, and do you have something actually lined up? Not oh my my cousin's buddy is works at this company and he said he'd give me a job right uh, just hap hap like in conversation no like do you have an actual like you're going to work here and be employed like i this is a serious it's going to get a little serious for me personally because um i actually did a a project recently in sergeant seminar that covered this um when it comes to my fellow service members um whether you're in or if you're a veteran, there's a lot of a lot of mental health issues that y'all that we all experience, and um, and I would hate for for transitioning out of the military or continuing in the military to be one of those reasons why we lose another, um, mm -hmm. why we lose someone else. Um, please do the proper research that it takes to understand where your opportunities lie on the outside of this whole thing. Because um, if you get out and you can't be, you can't find work and then your relationship with your family is strained, you have a, you know, you go through a divorce, whatever it might be, um, you know, things can get very difficult because you're no longer being prov provided for. Like not everything is going to be given to you um, or you're not going to earn everything through the military rather. Um, so, Please take these things that we're saying to heart because it's not just your career. It's possibly your life, your family's lives in the sense of where you move on together. And, uh, and it, it's just, it's a very personal note. Um, I, I just, I want to make sure that everybody hearing this understands that there are resources for you to figure out what you're going to do. And if you feel like you're hitting a rough patch, there's somebody who is, who is going through kind of the reenlistment struggles or or who might 
know exactly how to find a job on the outside, what to do when you do re-enlist. There's plenty of things out there to help you in, in this journey. So don't, don't think you're alone. You're not when it comes to this stuff. I hope that you took something away from this episode because there's a lot of information we provided. There's a lot of personal experience in this. And I hope that it was at the, I hope it was at the level that would allow for y'all to gain some sort of insights as to how you're going to navigate these decisions. Because you might not know, even all the way up until the one hour mark or whatever this ends up being, you might still have no clue, but at least you can execute it. You can execute that conversation with your wife or your husband. You can figure out kind of what you want to do and how those factors play a role in your marriage and everything. So um, with that being said, thank you guys so much. If you made it to the end, we love you guys. We really cherish this opportunity to be here with you speaking on these topics because I, there's times still when we're sitting here recording, I, I almost don't feel like worthy of this platform. It's just incredible that we have this opportunity. Like we're so blessed. Um, if you're new, we typically end every podcast episode with a prayer request. And man, we've kind of been getting flooded with them. We got I, a we, ton this week. We got yeah. a ton, but don't fret. If you're listening now, if you don't hear your prayer request in today's episode, believe me, we're still in the infancy of this thing where we can get to everybody's prayer request. Mm-hmm. So we will follow up with your request in a follow-on episode. And I promise you, we will get to it. If that means doing two per episode for however long it takes, we we will find that time. All right, so with that being said, our first prayer request, actually, well, both of them come from listeners from Instagram, but the first one is a woman who is asking for discernment for her future steps in life as she's looking towards going to grad school and her boyfriend is wanting to enlist. Um, so we're going to pray over her and her situations. And then for the second one, um, she is a new mom who's having a very difficult time adjusting to her new life. So we're going to pray for her as well. And um, and yeah, once again, um, I'm just I'm very grateful to be here in this position, and uh, and I'm happy um, you guys made it to the end. So let's go ahead and just close it out. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing Marissa and I with all of the faith and the love that we've needed to grow in our faith and our relationship with you, Lord God. There's somebody in our life who is really needing some discernment for her future as she's looking towards grad school, and her boyfriend is wanting to enlist in the military. Lord, we're aware of the challenges that come with both of those decisions, the gravity of those decisions. Lord, we ask you to just fill her heart with love and patience because we know that she's going to need that when it comes to these decisions. We know that there's going to be struggles and challenges, but Lord God, your timing is perfect and your plan is you're never late. You're always on time. Allow her to understand this, touch her heart, and fill her home with the Holy Spirit so that she knows you're there and she can she can feel your plan moving in action. And Lord, we also want to pray over somebody else in our life who is having a difficult time adjusting to her new role as a mother. Lord God, I just ask that you give her comfort and strength and peace. We know that being a mother is the most beautiful thing uh, in this in this world. That raising a child takes so much strength and courage and love, sometimes more than we can give. And God, I ask you that you give this mother whatever she needs to equip her to raise this child and to be a reflection of your love, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much once again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Close to Home podcast.